fact is, it's a tough year for Thanksgiving. If you had to cancel plans to travel or you couldn't get together with family or friends you were hoping to have Thanksgiving with, take a moment right now and type me in the chat. If that means you aren't going to eat all of your usual foods, type me in the chat. Or if there's something else that you usually look forward to at Thanksgiving that just isn't going to be the same, type me in the chat. Yeah. The way we celebrate Thanksgiving in the 21st century is that we get together with people we love and eat some of our favorite foods and share what we are thankful for. And with the pandemic, it might feel like we feel extra sharply that we can't be with everyone we love. And maybe that means missing out on the dish you love best and less pleasant feelings might crowd out gratitude. There's a word for all of this, scarcity. Scarcity is the opposite of plenty. It's the feeling of not having enough. So I'll talk for a few more minutes about Thanksgiving in 2020, but first I want to read you a story, the old fashioned way of a book right here, about a girl who is feeling as if her family doesn't have enough. The table where rich people sit. I'm reading part of it and showing you some of the illustrations. If you want to read the parts I'm leaving out, you can get it at the library and lots of other books that Bird Baylor and Peter Parnell have written and illustrated together. Okay, let me get things just so I can see you. And my book. If you could see us sitting here at our old scratched up homemade kitchen table, you'd know that we aren't rich. But my father is trying to tell us we are. Doesn't he notice my worn out shoes? Or that my little brother has patches on the pants he wears to first grade? And why does he think that old rattletrap truck is parked by our door? You can't fool me, I say, we're poor. Would rich people sit at a table like this? My mother sort of pats the table and she says, well, we're rich and we sit here every day. Sometimes I think that I'm the only person in my whole family who is really sensible. Maybe I should mention that my parents made this table out of lumber somebody else threw away. They even had a celebration when they finished it. Understand, I like this table fine. All I'm saying is you can tell it didn't come from a furniture store. It just doesn't look like a table where rich people would sit. Right here, I might as well admit to you that my parents have some strange ideas about working. They think the only jobs worth having are jobs outdoors. They want cliffs or canyons or desert or mountains around them wherever they work. They even want a good view of the sky. They always work together and their favorite thing is panning gold, piling us into that beat up truck and heading for the rocky desert hills or back in some 
narrow mountain gully where all the roads are just coyote trails. They don't mind planting fields of sweet corn or alfalfa. They like to pick chili and squash and tomatoes. They'll put up strong fences or train wild young horses, but they say they can't stand to be cooped up indoors. So now, of course, my dad is asking how many people are as lucky as we are, but I've called this meeting and I say, I bet you could make more money working in a building somewhere in town. Remember our number one rule, he says, we have to see the sky. You could look through a window, I say, but they won't even think about it. Do you see what I mean about being the sensible one? Finally, my mother says, all right, mountain girl, we're going to explain how we figure our money. You be the bookkeeper tonight. She hands each of us a pencil and some yellow paper. I'll prove we're rich to you right now, my father says. Let's make a list of the money we earn in a year. How much is that? I ask. I'll write it down. But he says, not so fast. We have a lot of things to think about before we add them up. What kind of things? My mother says, we don't just take our pay in cash, you know. We have a special plan, so we get paid in sunsets, too, and having time to hike around the canyons and look for eagle nests. But I say, can't you give me one single number to write down on this paper? So we start with $20,000. That's how much my father says it's worth to him to work outdoors, where he can see sky all day and feel the wind and smell rain an hour before it's really raining. He says it's worth that much to be where if he feels like singing, he can sing out loud and no one will mind. I have just written 20,000 when my mother says, you'd better make that 30,000 because it's worth at least another 10 to hear coyotes howling back in the hills. So I write 30,000. Then she remembers that they like to see long distances and faraway mountains that change color about 10 times a day. That's worth another $5,000 to me, she says. I'm not surprised because my mother claims to be an expert on mountain shadows in the desert. She says she can tell time by the way those colors change from dawn to dark. I scratch out what I had and write $35,000. So they add a few more things and soon they're up to $50,000. Now my mother says, let's see what our mountain girl is worth to us. I'm beginning to catch on to their way of thinking, so I suggest I'm worth $10,000 even though my little brother has begun to laugh. They end up deciding I'm worth about a million dollars. I say, I don't think I am, but I write it anyway. In fact, it turns out that every one of us is worth a million. So we have $4,050,000. Then I realize I want to add $5,000 myself for the pleasure I have wandering in open country, alone, free as a lizard, not following trails, not having a plan, just turning whatever way the wind turns me. They say that's certainly worth 5000 
So that makes four million and fifty-five thousand dollars. Finally, my brother says to put down seven dollars more for all the nights we get to sleep outside under the stars. We all say seven dollars doesn't seem to be enough. We talk him into making it five thousand. Now my paper says four million and sixty thousand dollars, and we haven't even started counting actual cash. To tell you the truth. The cash part doesn't seem to matter anymore. I suggest it shouldn't even be on a list of our kind of riches. So the meeting is over. You can read the rest of it by getting it out of the library or borrow it from me. So what do you think of Mountain Girl's parents' choices? Would you like to take your pay? partly in sunsets? Would you feel poor if you didn't have time to look for bird's nests or to wander the trails? How much money would it take for you to accept living somewhere where you couldn't see the stars? I used to live somewhere where I could see thousands of stars every night. And now I can only see a few. I wanted to take this job, so I made the change, and I am so glad I did. The important thing about the story isn't that we would each make the same choices that her family does, but that we are rich when we make the choices that matter to us. Choices like this are on my mind a lot this Thanksgiving because so many of us have had to make choices about what we value the most. Choices about whether to travel, about how to travel if we do, about whether to do the same things we usually do for Thanksgiving or change them. It might be nice if we could have it all. For example, if I could live here where I have been able to be your minister and get to know you all and live in Vermont where I used to live and where I could see the Milky Way. We never do have it all though. We make decisions. If we have some freedom to decide what we value most and live according to those values, then that is a wonderful thing. It would be great to be able to gather with everyone we love this week and not put them or others at too much risk of COVID-19, but many of us have to choose one or the other. If we have a choice between being together or being safe, we're pretty lucky as things go. I'd certainly rather be able to have both, but it's pretty good to have either one. Just like Mountain Girl's family has a choice between getting to know the land so well and buying the kids new jeans and sneakers like the other kids at school. They can't do both, but to be able to choose is pretty lucky. The song that we're about to sing is about another difficult Thanksgiving, about 60 years ago. Bob and Dorothy Sangas were getting ready for Thanksgiving. Bob was a Unitarian Universalist minister. He still is. And they were planning a service of thanks. It was going to include a traditional hymn called We Gather Together, and they were feeling very thankful for all their blessings. Then, five days before Thanksgiving, 
something terrible happened. The president of the United States, John F. Kennedy, was assassinated. He was killed. Like millions of people around the country, Bob and Dory stopped looking forward much to Thanksgiving. They were sad and scared, and they probably weren't really in the mood to focus on their blessings. But Bob was the leader of a Unitarian Universalist congregation, and they needed to gather in some way that honored the ways they were feeling. So Dory and Bob took the same tune and some of the words of We Gather Together, and they wrote some new words. Both sorrow and gladness we find now in our living, they wrote. Maybe the people of the church couldn't think about only the good things in their lives just then. So they wrote, we sing a hymn of praise to the life that we bear. This life has some things in it that are hard to bear. It has assassinations and pandemics and other sad, frightening things, but they still wanted to praise life. They led their people in singing about how good it was to join in the journey to be together in joy and tribulation, which means trouble. And then they wrote some of my very favorite words in the hymnal. When bound to human care and hope, then we are free. Being bound is usually the opposite of being free. Being bound means not being able to do just exactly what we want. No one wanted to be sad at Thanksgiving in 1963. They were stuck with it. No one wants to deal with a virus at Thanksgiving in 2020. We are stuck with it. But here's what I love about that line. The reason that they were sad in 1963 was that they cared about President Kennedy and his family and all the people in the country. If they hadn't been bound in human care and hope to these other people, they wouldn't have been sad, but they chose that connection. If we weren't bound in human care and hope to all the people who have lost someone to COVID and all the people who are sick and all the people who are trying not to get sick, then this would be a simpler Thanksgiving. But we are bound together. We have chosen to care about all those people. And so we can't do just anything we might, might want this Thanksgiving, but aren't we lucky that we have this choice to care about each other or not? We can't have just anything we want, but when what we want is to care for each other, then we are rich people. So, wherever you are spending Thanksgiving, whomever you are with at the same table or over phone lines and video calls, whatever you are eating, whatever you're doing, I hope you know that you are at the table where rich people sit.